Hi everybody, welcome. Welcome to Schweitzer. Welcome to worship today. It is so good to be with you. Wherever you're at, we're glad you're here. I'm Jim and I'm serving as our host for this experience today. If this is your first time with us, thanks so much. We're really excited you're here. We have a gift for you. We'll send it right out, check in with us. It's a Starbucks digital gift card. So enjoy some brew on us. Today, we're so excited to begin a new series called Philemon. And this is a, a story that is about a first century follower of Jesus, but it's also about us. It's about the people in his life. It's about life together. It's about community. It's about the church too. And so we're so excited again to, to be inspired and to see how this small book of the Bible has such a big impact on our lives today. Pastor Spencer's gonna lead us and God has a message for us all. If you'd like to go deeper into the sermon, there are sermon discussion questions and more at the link sumc.co slash next. And now Stephanie's gonna tell us more about what's going on here at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Are you new to Schweitzer? Or maybe you just have questions and wanna know more about what's going on in this big place. We'd like to invite you to our next All In Gathering on Sunday, November 14th, right after the late service. We'll enjoy having lunch with you, answering all of your questions and taking you on a campus tour. You can find out more and sign up online at sumc.co slash next or by stopping by the Connection Center on your way out. Now I'm gonna throw it to Levi for some information about what's going on on Wednesday nights. What's up y'all? I'm Levi, the Director of Student Ministries here at Schweitzer. We've got a lot of cool things going on here on Wednesday nights. Right here in the Student Center, the Student Ministry is meeting from 6.30 to 8.15 for games, lessons, and small groups. If you're interested in being a part of the Student Ministry, or even volunteering with us, go ahead and shoot me an email at lzen at sumc.co. Also, on Wednesday nights, the Schweitzer Kids Ministry is doing some really cool things. This Wednesday night is the last R&R of the semester. It's a great opportunity for parents to refresh and recharge, and a really great date night. If you're interested, you can learn more at sumc.co slash kids. All in all, Wednesday nights are a ton of fun. If you've got little tiny kids or great big kids, we've got some of them for you. Reach out to either me or Stephanie and we'll get you plugged in. The holiday season is approaching and while this can be a really joyful time, it can also be a very challenging time for those working through grief. On Sunday, November the 14th from 2 to 4, we're hosting a seminar called Surviving the Holidays. This will be a time to learn tips for handling the holidays, as well as all of the emotions that come with it. It's also a good opportunity to connect with others who can walk with you through this time. Find out more and sign up at sumc.co slash next. Thanks so much, Stephanie. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to engage. There's a chat feature on your screen. Say hi to your friends, uh, give us your insights. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button on your screen. And now this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Let's worship together.
peace, bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break at your name. Still, call the sea to still, the rage in me to still. As we come to this time of prayer, we thank God for prayer, the gift of prayer, the gift of relationship. And this day is a special, unique day in the life of the church and in lives of followers of Jesus as we celebrate All Saints Day. Today we remember, reflect upon, and celebrate the lives of all that have gone before us with faith 
and especially those within our community of faith, Schweitzer who have passed on this year. And so we will again remember and reflect and celebrate their lives. I will read their names and we'll pause and remember all that they have given to us through this community of faith. So let's, uh, let's celebrate these saints. Holy God, we give you thanks for the life and faith of Reverend Wes Arrington, Will Phillips, Tony Palmer, Ted Hamlet, Sonny Venable, Sally Hamilton, Richard Halliburton, Phyllis Snyder, Philip Preddy, Mark Brandhorst, Marilyn Atwater, Lois Beans, Joe Crane, Jenny Bopp, Gail Eddings, Doug Wilson, Dan Servan, Coralie Lee, Bill Kelly, Dr. William Bill Holman, Bethany Brown, Al Heatherly, Ron Alba, and Mary Jo Nye. Let's remember and reflect and celebrate these saints in our lives. As we continue in prayer together, we remember that the scripture tells us, especially in the book of Hebrews, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that we're surrounded by the saints that have gone before us, who, who cheer us on, encourage us, and worship with us uh, today. Also in the Apostles' Creed, we affirm our faith, our belief that there is the communion of saints. And so I invite you to join me in this prayer, a prayer meditation for All Saints Day. Hear these words. We give you thanks, O God, for all the saints who have ever worshiped you, whether in brush arbors or cathedrals, weathered wooden churches or crumbling cement meeting houses, where your name was lifted and adored. We give you thanks, O God, for hands lifted in praise manicured hands and hands stained with grease or oil, strong hands and those gnarled with age, holy hands used as wave offerings across the land. We thank you, God, for hardworking saints, whether hard-hatted or steel-booted, head-ragged or aproned, blue-collared or three-piece suit. They left their mark on the earth for you, for us, for our children, to come. Thank you, God, for the tremendous sacrifices made by those who have gone before us. Bless the memories of your saints, God. May we learn how to walk wisely from their examples of faith, dedication, worship, and love. 
Fill us, Holy Spirit, and help us to remember well and again give thanks for the saints, their legacy that go before us. Holy God, we love you and we praise you. And now we pray the prayer you taught us and sang. We pray with humility and boldness. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, we give thanks to God for God's generosity and care and providing in our lives. God is so good. And we thank you for your gifts and tithes and offerings that you give back in response to God's grace and generosity. You give with faith and trust and obedience. And we really thank you. Thanks so much. And this week, we're really excited to let you know as, as you're giving, how it impacts lives, transforms lives, as Schweitzer partners with Flourish, a local ministry, a community development corporation we partner with. Flourish has opened a second transitional living home for women. So again, we are so grateful for your, your generosity. And many of you also thanks for the giving of your hands and hearts as you uh, help fix and uh, clean up the, the new house, this second transitional living house on our campus. This one is called the Dandelion House. You gotta love that name, but you helped make it happen, both with your hands and your generosity. So thanks so much. We really appreciate your giving. We can continue to give by going to sumc.co slash give. Thanks, and now we're so excited to begin our first message in the series, Philemon, and Pastor Spencer is gonna lead us. Welcome today. My name is Spencer. I am so glad that you're here with us. We're going to start a new series today where we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about us. We're going to have a conversation about, about our church, about what it is that in our life together we're shooting for and aiming for. What does it mean to belong here? And uh, so we're just going to have a conversation for the next three weeks about, about us. And uh, we, we need to do this because there's so much that's changing in, in our church. I mean, we are, are in a situation where uh, about half of the people who are part of our church, you know, we don't see them on a, a physical presence each week. And that changes how we do church. A lot of ministries are different. We're also in a denomination that's in a chaos mode right now. And so there's just so much that, that is a helpful time for us to have a conversation about, about us. Now, to guide this conversation, we're going to be reading from a little book in the Bible called Philemon. And what's great about this little book, I mean, it's just one chapter, it's, it's just really, really short, but what's great about this little book is that if you were to ask like three different people how you pronounce it, I think you'd get five different answers. It's like Philemon or maybe Philemon or maybe Philemon, or I heard someone say uh, Flomen this last week. I mean, there's all kinds of ways, I guess you could say it. We're gonna say Philemon. And here's just a little pro tip about pronouncing words in the Bible that you don't know how to say. Just say them, just go for them. And however you go for it, say it with confidence and everyone will believe you. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be in Philemon. We're going to be reading this letter, letting it guide our conversation. 
And I've wanted to do a sermon series on this book for, for like three years because this is just an incredibly compelling picture that we get in Philemon uh, for why the church matters. So I'm really excited to walk through this. Um, I think it's just incredibly compelling. It's a reason why I want to give my life to the, to the work of the church and what we do together. And, and that even when we have problems, uh, on the other side of these problems, we have this vision for redemption and reconciliation and this, this move of God as we move forward. So we're going to take the next three weeks and read through this letter, have a conversation about us as we go. So Philemon, it's really, really short. There's not even chapters. There's just one, uh, one page in the Bible. We're going to spend three weeks reading through this, and we're going to start in verse 1. Here's how it goes. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. So this is a letter written by Paul. Notice that word prisoner there. This is one of the prison epistles, the prison letters, along with letters like Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, these letters that Paul writes from prison. And here's who it's written to. It's written to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. And then listen to this, and to the church that meets in your home. So Philemon has a, a house church, the church that meets in the city, it meets in his home. He's a leader in this church. And so um, Paul is writing to this this leader who's leading the church, and, and it's believed that the church that meets in his home is the uh, Colossian church. So the letter of Colossians is written to the church that meets in his home. So he's a leader in this church. We keep reading here, verse three. It says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse four, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Now we're going to pause there and we're going to pick this up next week, right here next week. And as we go forward next week, we're going to see the reason why Paul writes this letter because there's a problem. And uh, if you've never read this letter before, I'll just tell you what the problem is. The problem is that Philemon is a slave owner and his slave has run away. Somehow he's come in contact with Paul. And so Paul is writing this letter to Philemon about his slave. And so we're going to read that next week, which of course that raises all kinds of questions, doesn't it? I mean, as modern people, uh, how is it that we read what the Bible says about slavery or doesn't say when it doesn't condemn slavery. Like, how do we understand this with our modern morality? And so we're going to dive deep into that question because that is a really, really important question. And, and it has ramifications for how you read all kinds of other things in the Bible that maybe don't quite jive with your sense of modern morality. Like, how do we make sense of these things? So we're going we're gonna to dive deep into that question. It's a really, really important question. But we're going to do that next week. This week, I want to focus in on verse 6. Because verse 6 is really the crux of this opening passage, and it sets the stage for what we're going to see played out later in this letter. Like, so the whole issue of slavery and this really beautiful, compelling message we get by the end of reconciliation and, uh, and redemption, we really can't get there until we get and deal with verse 6 and this opening idea here we see in verse 6. So here's one more time. Here's what verse 6 said. Paul writes, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Now, there's two things in this verse we need to pull out. Two things here. And the first, we need to talk about a very key word we see in verse 6, and it's this word, uh, partnership. Partnership. Your partnership in the faith. Now, 
Of course, as we remember, the New Testament was not written in English. It was written in Greek. And the Greek word for partnership is a word I bet you've heard before if you've been in church. Because this is one of those words you don't need to have studied uh, Greek to, to know. Just we talk about this word in church quite a bit. And it's this word, uh, koinonia. So it's your koinonia is, is the word that's, that's translated there for, for partnership. And again, if you've been in church, um, koinonia is one of those words that probably you know what it means, even if you haven't studied Greek. Kind of like if you've been in church, you know what the word agape means. It means love just because you hear this in sermons. And so probably you know that this word koinonia is usually translated as the word fellowship. And of course, fellowship is a massively important word um, in church life. It's a massively important word in church. Um, I grew up going to church, and in, and in my home church, uh, the building that that church met in was built in 1905. It looked like an old castle. And uh, beneath the sanctuary, there was this, this room in the basement. There was this long, skinny room. It had uh, this old school uh, tile that's, that's, that's on the ground. There's like vi- vinyl tile that's on the floor. It had wood paneling all along the walls and drop-down ceilings. So it was real low with fluorescent tubes going the whole way. So the lighting was, was all fluorescent. And, and because it was in the basement and it was built in 1905, like it, it kind of smelled bad. There were these folding tables and metal chairs. But this is where everyone went to, to drink coffee. And you know what we called that room? We called that room Fellowship Hall, which as an adult, thinking back on that, that's kind of ironic because it's like the least comfortable room in the church. It's dark, it's dingy, it smells bad, and yet this is the room that we'd gather in to do potlucks and to be together and to have coffee together. It's the Fellowship Hall. And just about every church has a room named Fellowship. We have the Fellowship Center in our church, which is my kid's favorite room because that's where the donuts are at. So we have Fellowship Center, most every church does. And when we think about this word fellowship, that's probably what most of us think about. It's the place where we gather. It's, it's how we spend time together. It's drinking coffee together and having meals together. And this is a lot of what we think when we think about fellowship. It's these relationships that we have together. And, and don't get me wrong, these relationships are so incredibly important. In fact, I tell new people all the time, I say, I hope that you make your friends here. I want you to have deep commitment and connection to people here. I, I want that to happen um, as you connect with our church. Um, but that's not really what koinonia is all about. Koinonia is not really about how we spend time together and the, and the relationships, the warm fuzzies we have um, in those relationships. Koinonia is about something deeper than that. So koinonia, like most Christian words in the Bible, um, is, a, is a borrowed word. So if you think about the early Christian movement, um, these first Christians emerged and they had seen Jesus be raised from the dead and they saw the Holy Spirit come upon them in tongues of fire and they are going out into the world and sharing this good news that Jesus is alive and that there's this life change available and they see this move of God take place around them. Well, these first Christians are, are kind of scratching their heads a little bit because they're thinking to themselves, man, how do you describe this? How do you talk about this? How do you teach this? How do you lead people in understanding what's taking place? And so one of the things that the first Christians did is they borrowed a bunch of words from the wider Greek-speaking society around them. So for instance, one of the words that they borrowed was the word ekklesia. Ekklesia usually in the Bible is translated as, as church, but Ecclesia, originally, what it really meant, it had nothing to do with stained glass or organs or preachers or anything to do with the church, but what it really meant was that it was the gathering, the assembly of the citizens of a city. And they would gather together to elect people, to decide laws, and to do those kinds of work that citizens would do. And so the early Christians were like, wow, that is a good word. We need to use that word to describe what we do on Sunday mornings when we gather together, because what we're doing is we're gathering together for a purpose. And so that's a word that we borrowed. Another word that the early Christians borrowed was the word um, euangelion, which is where we get the word evangelism or um, evangel, which 
And the Bible is usually translated as good news or gospel. And what that word originally meant, though, in the, in the uh, Greek-speaking world had nothing to do with preaching a good news message about Jesus. Instead, what it, what it really had to do with was when the emperor would win a military battle, the Caesar, the emperor, would send out messengers into the cities to proclaim this euangelion, this good news that the emperor had won his, his battle. And so the early Christians were like, oh my goodness, that is a good word. We need to use that word to describe our message because we have a much better message than a military victory. We've got this good news message that Jesus is alive. And so they, they borrowed this word. Well, koinonia is the same kind of way. It's a borrowed word. And it doesn't have anything to do with potlucks or coffee or spending time together. What it really has to do with is a partnership, like a, like a business partnership. Koinonia is a business word. It has to do with when two people join together, join forces together to partner together for, for business purposes. This is what we see with koinonia. It's, a, it's about this commitment that we have to one another for this common purpose. And as you look at the New Testament and you see how koinonia is used in different places, you can see this really, really clearly. Let me give you a few examples here. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is writing, and listen to how he describes koinonia in this passage. He says, Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and your generosity in sharing. Sharing there is the word koinonia. It's translated there as sharing with them and with everyone else. Now in this instance, what Paul's talking about is an offering that's made to the church that's in Jerusalem. It's a sharing, it's a koinonia that takes place. It's, it's how they're sharing their, their resources together for a common purpose. Um, another example, this is uh, 2 Corinthians 8. Paul says, as for Titus, he is my partner, koinonia, partnership there, and co-worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches in honor to Christ. And so he's like, Titus, you know, he's not just my friend. He's not my buddy. We're actually partners together. We are bound together for this common purpose. That is the idea of koinonia. Another example here, the really famous one, Acts chapter 2, says all the believers were together and had everything in common, the sharing of in common. This is the word koinonia. And they sold property and possessions to give everyone as they had need. And so again, you see this, this sharing, this, this uh, resourcing of one another, that this is the idea that you have here with koinonia. So as you look at this bigger picture of the Bible, you look at this bigger picture of the Christian movement, what you see with this word koinonia is that it has less to do with the relationships, the friendships we have, and it has so much more to do with the commitment that we share with one another. Now, as I say that, we need to say some other things about this commitment because kind of as an aside, um, as we think about this commitment, we need to understand as well that sometimes that commitment language can be problematic. So just as an aside to this, we'll continue to explore this commitment, but just as an aside, um, we need to realize that, you know, there are some times where church leaders, pastors will use this commitment language in a way that is really manipulative and tries to control people. And so people will, will like push this control. So while the Bible talks about the commitment we share to one another, you know, the Bible's not talking about controlling one another. So like that kind of spiritual abuse that sometimes takes place when pastors try to control people, like that's not what the Bible's talking about. Nor is the Bible talking about the kind of commitment that would last through all kinds of problems. So like sometimes, you know, churches get unhealthy. And when churches get unhealthy and when churches um, go down those roads, we have to realize that, that there has to be some boundaries on our own side. And so while the Bible does call us to commitment, there are certainly times where it is appropriate to disassociate, to, to, to break fellowship, to walk away. And the Bible talks about places like this. Like, for instance, 
If in a church body there's egregious sin that keeps going unaccounted for and unrepented for and is even affirmed, I mean, that's, that's a real problem. Or, or if a local church, it, it loses its mission, its sense of who it is to serve the world, I mean, that's a real problem. Or, or maybe a church um, embraces false teaching and, and no longer listens to the Bible and what it is that God teaches us there. That, that's a real problem. And there's places for where we need to create boundaries around ourselves. Um, so while even though the Bible calls us to commitment, this is not the kind of commitment that would walk in those kind of dangerous kinds of places. Instead, though, this is a commitment towards the mission of Christ that we share with one another this mission towards his good news and his message that he has, which brings me back to Philemon verse 6. Because as we look at the second part of Philemon verse 6, I want you to see why the Bible talks about such a high commitment to the church. So here's what the Bible says next. Philemon verse 6, one more time, says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Now notice this. Why is it that we have koinonia with one another? What is it that binds us together? Well, we see it here in the second part of this, of this verse. It is that we are bound together for the sake of Christ. That, that Jesus Christ and him being Lord and his victory, this is what binds us together. This is what holds us together. The reason why we would share our lives together, the reason why we would be committed to one another is because of the supremacy and the goodness and the power of Christ. It is the good news message that the grave is empty and all that we have received from this is the good news message that the Son of God has come to save us. And as we share in this experience, this uh, experience of Christ is what binds us together as, as a church. Now, in our church, one of the ways that you're going to hear us talking more and more about this is that we describe ourselves as being a Christ-centered church, that Jesus Christ is at the center of who we are, that we uphold his victory and his lordship, and we're going to follow him and be directed and devoted to him. And so what that means, though, to be Christ-centered is that as soon as we find ourselves with something else in the center of our church, or as soon as we find ourselves pointing people to something other than the lordship and victory of Jesus, or as soon as we find ourselves uh, promoting something that's other than Jesus, you know what we should do? We should close our doors. We should, we should stop having services. We should sell the buildings because what's happened is we've lost who we really are. We've lost what we're supposed to be about. We've, we've lost our mission because we've lost Christ Christ is the reason for why we exist. He is the reason for why we commit. He is the reason for what holds us together. Tim, we are Christ-centered. Now, as we back up a little bit, so far we've been talking about this idea of koinonia in a really big view, like the 30,000-foot view. And so as we, as we dive a little bit deeper into this, we, we, let's take some steps towards being more practical and talk about, well, what does this mean, this partnership? What does it look like in, in real life? And so Let's, let's talk about what this kind of active partnership can, can look like. And as we do so, and let's talk about koinonia, not so much maybe about partnership, which is a word, of course, between the Bible, but maybe a word we use around our church a little bit more often. And let's talk about the word um, membership, because that's how we normally talk about this, this partnership, this koinonia, is that we are, we are members together. So about, um, I don't know, every other month or so, we have a, a new guest lunch. It's called All In. We're having one next week. I just love these, these lunches because I get to hear these stories from new people and um, what, what's bringing them to the church, what God is doing in their lives. It's always so, so incredible. So we're doing one of those next week. If you're new to the church, I hope you'll come. 
But one of the things I talk about in the all-in gathering is I talk about membership because for some folks that would be the next step that they're going to take for membership. And so I'm going to, here's my pitch that I give in those all-in gatherings for, for membership. It goes like this. I, I tell people, I say, listen, if you want to join the church and become a member of our church, that is awesome. We're so excited for that. That's a great thing to do. We're really excited. And here's what you do. You know, the steps are yada, yada, yada. Take the steps and we'll, we'll bring you into membership. But then I say to them, I say, listen, but if you don't want to join the church and that's not what you want to do, that's great too, because this is a really low sales pressure situation here. We're not trying to get you into a used car, not trying to say, what do I need to do today to get you to join the church? That's not how this works at all. Because what I tell people is I say, listen, you can belong to Schweitzer. You can belong to our church. You can participate in her ministries. You can get to know people and be in groups. You can do all of those things without being a member. Being a member has nothing to do with belonging and participating. Instead, being a member is all about responsibility. I explain it like this in those gatherings. I say this, I say, you know, I'm a member of a few things in life. I'm a member of a church. I'm a member of things like Amazon Prime and Netflix and those kinds of things. I'm a member of Sam's Club because I, I haven't joined Costco yet. So I'm a member of these things. And as I think about those three things I'm a member of, you know what? One of those things isn't like the others. Because as I think about those other organizations I'm a part of in life, you know, for what they are about is I, I join those organizations in order for me to, to participate in them. I, I join Amazon Prime so I can participate in free shipping. I join Sam so I can buy way more paper towels than I would ever need. But, but belonging to a church isn't about, being a member isn't about belonging to a church. It's a, it's a different set of expectations and requirements altogether because belonging to a church it's, it's not about belonging. It's not about participating. It's about, it's about responsibility. Being a member, how this koinonia is about this responsibility that we share with one another. And so you can come to our church. You can participate in the church. You can get to know people in the church. You can serve in the church. But the, the question of membership is the step of, am I going to be personally responsible for the mission of the church? And so we ask it like this. We have a membership vow that we talk about. And so if you've ever joined our church, you're going to join with this membership vow, we say, Will you support Schweitzer Church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? We have five categories there we're asking you to, to take responsibility for. And as you think about that membership vow, there's really two things there that are really important to think through. One is that you are joining a local church. Yes, we are part of the church universal. We are part of all those who, who profess Jesus Christ as their Savior. But, but more than that, we're also joining together for real people that we know. Um, relationships that we share together because our, our membership is lived out with people that's names that we actually know and interact with. And so the relationships of a local church are that important. And the second thing to notice there is the membership vow is the membership vow is all about what am I going to do to benefit others? Even though sometimes I think we get this flipped in our heads and sometimes we think about this exactly opposite because sometimes I think we think about the membership vow not so much of like, what am I going to do to support the church? but rather are these things that I get to receive from the church. Like, I get to receive other people's prayers, right? I'm not going to pray for you, but you're definitely praying for me, or I'm going to receive other people's presence in my life. It's so like, you're going to show up for me when I, when I need you, or I'm going to, I'm going to receive um, other people's gifts so that, you know, while I don't personally contribute, certainly, hopefully you do, and that, you know, helps my, my, my key ministry. Or maybe you think to yourself, I don't personally need to serve because someone, someone else will do this. And this is sometimes we start to flip this, and it becomes about the benefits we receive from church as opposed to the koinonia that God actually calls us to, this lifestyle of commitment and sacrifice to one another. So sometimes I, can't, I just can't help but think that for, for a lot of us, we have commodified 
the experience of church where we become consumers of the church as opposed to those who are responsible for her well-being. And of course, it's very, very easy to become a consumer of the church. I mean, just think about what happens on like a typical Sunday morning. Typical Sunday morning, you, you come to church, you drive into a parking lot that, you know, someone else maintains. You come into the front doors that someone else opens for you. You go and drink coffee or eat donuts that someone else has prepared. Maybe you drop your kids off in kids ministry where someone else is teaching and leading. You come to worship and hear songs that someone else is singing. You hear a sermon that someone else is preaching. You go to a Sunday school class or a small group that someone else has prepared a lesson for. You, maybe your teens go to a youth group where someone else is volunteering or maybe you watch online or someone else has created the service and maintained the website. It's very easy to start to benefit from all of the things that other people have done for us and we become consumers of the church at that point. And you know what happens when we become consumers? is we begin to think that everything is about, it's about us, that this all revolves around me. And so it's not so much that I'm taking responsibility for what God is doing, but rather this is all about how this benefits me and how, how dangerous of a mindset is that in a local church when we begin to think that this is all about me. And so today, as we start this series, uh, we have a call before us, a call towards koinonia, it's a call towards relationship, but more than that, it's a call towards commitment. It's a call towards responsibility. It's a call to understanding that I'm gonna use my gifts and my service and my sacrifice for the benefit and the mission of what we do together. Because what we're really doing together is we are sharing in Christ together. And this is what this call is about. This is what the call is for us. And so this call of Koinonia, while we're gonna look at this the next few weeks and dive much deeper into what this looks like in practice, as we consider this call today towards koinonia, towards partnership, fellowship with one another, we're reminded of how we're all called to take deeper steps towards relationships, towards getting to know one another, towards serving one another, towards looking for opportunities to be involved, towards joining in groups, towards taking steps to be known, not just wanting to live in the background and, and be anonymous, but actually come and be known in relationship because this is the, the vision that we have from the Bible that together, we would be moving forward, we'd be partners together for the sake of Christ, that together we are sharing in the experience of Christ, the goodness of Christ, and all that He is doing for us. This is the call of koinonia that is before us. Let's pray together. So Father, today, as we start this series, we give you thanks for your church, which is a gift that you've given to us, but certainly it's not just about us. This is about the work that you are doing through all of us. And what you're calling us towards are deeper relationships and acts of service and sacrifice, to giving of our resources, to serving one another, to, to living in relationships and not just living in, as anonymous people receiving the benefits of the church. And so for some of us, Lord, I know that you are gonna be calling us and stirring us to take some steps towards deeper fellowship with one another. Um, new ideas, new, new people to reach out to, relationships to foster, um, steps to take towards service in the community. And God, we just, we wanna respond to what you have because this gift that you've given us in our church, it is so precious, it is so special. And we want to do our part to serve this mission that you have given us together. So God, today we hear this call of Koinonia that calls us together in Christ to serve one another, to love one another, and to grow in community with each other. God, we thank you for your son that has been given for us. 
And for anyone today who's, who's with us, who doesn't know the experience of your son, may today be a day where they turn um, their lives over to you, cross that line of faith with a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? And would you lead my life? And in this, we have this new life in the resurrection of Christ. So God, today we give you thanks for what you are doing in us and each other. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks everybody for being in worship today. It's been a great, great day of worship. Special thanks to Stephanie for keeping us connected as always, to the worship team for leading us with such uh, inspiration and uh, musical gifts. We so appreciate you, Spencer, for the message. Thanks so much. And if you know of anybody who could really benefit from this message, this encouragement, uh, share it on social media uh, for others as well. And now we, uh, as we uh, close today, we really look forward to seeing you back next week for week two of Philemon. Philemon, remember that. We'll see you back next week. Have a great week.